So in a moment, we're going to have Matt come and talk to us, and he's going to be carrying on with our second week of our new series on Jonah. First, I'm just going to um, do a reading. So our reading this evening is Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, and Jonah chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Love to welcome up Matt. Brilliant. Thank you, Ellie. It's not often you get to read the word vomited in church. So well done for that. And sorry if you're a bit squeamish on the old vomiting thing. Um, good evening. Welcome. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm on the team here. Good evening. If you're, welcome, if you're watching online or watching on Catch Up, it's great to see you. Uh, tonight we are in week two of Jonah series. We've called it In the City, For the City. And um, we're doing this as part of our summer term Go series. So if you track sort of through St. Nick's year, uh, we spend the, the autumn term sort of gathering. That's our sort of autumn to Christmas. And then Christmas to Easter is our growing term. So we think in Lent, we're thinking about sort of digging deep in our faith and putting down roots and growing in our faith. And then this whole term, this summer term, is like our going term. So this is our whole uh, term where we explore what it is to live out our faith in the world. What it is to be a Christian in the world. What has our faith got to do with our work? What has it got to do with the calling that we do when we're out in the world Monday to Saturday? And um, we've chosen this book of Jonah because it's, it's got an, some interesting little themes. Now, you might think... Yeah, Jonah, I always read that as a kid, or I, I listened to the assemblies at school. I, I've completed Jonah in my Bible understanding. I know exactly what's going on. Or you might be thinking, that Jonah story, is that a fable? Is that like a sort of made-up kid story, just to tell kids to, to do what God says and not to disobey him? Well, do you know what? The book of Jonah, this whole book, is essentially about a man who's a prophet, but usually the books of the prophets tell uh, the listeners, what the person's saying. But we don't get to hear what Jonah says. Instead, it's more of a, an, a character analysis of who Jonah was. And it's also looking at what, Jonah, what was going on in Jonah's heart. And as we look at who Jonah was, we started last week, Helen did a brilliant uh, start and an overview of the series. We quickly realized that this whole book, Jonah isn't, isn't sort of the hero. In fact, he's more like the baddie. He's the guy that doesn't do what he's supposed to do. He's going against uh, what God has asked him to do. And if you were here last week, you'd heard that Helen outlined Jonah as almost two parallel stories. The first story, God calls him to do something. He says, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm going the opposite way. 
And then, uh, the second half of the book, he call, God calls Jonah to do the same thing again, and this time he goes. And tonight, we're looking at what happens between the no and the yes. What happens between the no and the yes? And what happens between the no and the yes is this fish, this giant fish, maybe a small whale. We're not quite sure. We're going to come back to that later. This moment where Jonah spends three days in the belly of a large fish. And if you want a sort of snappy uh, title for my talk to remember this by, it's this. A lot can change in three days. A lot can change in three days. Even this week, as we sort of review the week that's been, as we maybe rewind a few days uh, to what's gone on, three days ago, I was hoping that Cameron Norrie would find what it takes in him to beat Novak Djokovic in the semi-final of Wimbledon. It was a tall order. He'd done so well. And I was, I was, I don't know if any tennis fans out there, any tennis fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I've tracked, you know, I'm quite old, so I've tracked Henman, and I've tracked, he didn't do so well, but we all loved him. Murray, I was like, yes! And then Cameron Norrie, I was like, yes, it's going to happen again. And I was sort of hoping that on Sunday this afternoon, I'd be watching Cam Norrie in the final, and um, it didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, a lot changed in three days. But not just at Wimbledon. If you look at Westminster, between Tuesday and Friday, a lot changed in three days. The most dramatic collapse of a government in recent history, maybe even ever, causing our Prime Minister Boris to resign, or sort of resign, we're not quite sure where he's at at the moment. We think he's going, but we're not quite sure when. And before you cheer or boo, there'll be more on Westminster a bit later on. Uh, I promise. It's going to be good, don't worry. Um, but for Jonah, three days in the belly of the large fish, a lot changed in three days. So just a, a quick recap then of what happened in chapter one. When Jonah said no, this is what happened. God called him to the place of Nineveh which, if you remember the map, the map of the Mediterranean, he went from sort of where Israel is, right down on a sort of Mediterranean cruise, although it wasn't a cruise, right down to the end of Spain, and said, I'm going to get as far away from where I'm supposed to be as possible. He said, I'm not, I'm not answering the call, God. I'm not doing what you're going to tell me. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to get away from here. And as he's on the boat, the storms rise up. You remember this may maybe from your uh, primary school days or Sunday school days. The storms rise up. Uh, they're all going to drown on the boat, and Jonah realizes that it's because of him and his disobedience that the storm has happened and that everyone's life is in danger. And what does he do? They're all trying to work out what's going on and why on earth this has happened, and, and, and the sailors say, we're going to pray to our gods, and each pray to their own god. And then they turn to Jonah and go, hang on, who are you? You're not supposed to be on this boat. Is this anything to do with you? And they turn to him and say, what, can you explain what this is? And he knows, Jonah, that it's all to, him, all to do with him. He says, I know what it is. It's, it's because of my disobedience. Throw me overboard, and this storm will go. And they think, we can't throw a, an innocent man overboard. We, we don't even know you, let alone think you're to blame for this. So they go through this whole sort of turmoil about whether or not to throw him over. In the end, they do, and the storm goes away, and God provides a big fish to rescue Jonah. And that's where we get to at the end of chapter 1. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And today, we're going to explore what happens to Jonah 
in the belly of the fish. And it's to do with this. It's to do with the state of Jonah's heart. The state of Jonah's heart was not in a good way. He was in an angry, in a bitter, in a disobedient mood. He was called to the city of Nineveh to be in the city. And he was called to bring a message of repentance and forgiveness. He was called to be in the city, to be for the city of Nineveh. But instead of being in the city, where was he? He was, in fact, in a fish. And instead of being for the city, he was cursing it. He was angry at God that he should choose to save his enemies. You see, this character of Jonah is not a flawless hero. He's not a sort of superhero guy that we remember for doing all the right things. In fact, he was flawed, he was frustrated, he was angry. He has major, major character flaws, and I'd say major, major heart issues. And I don't know about you, but if you look around the world today, and I've already mentioned it, but if you look at what's gone on in Westminster in our government this week, we can see huge issues, heart issues of character, of lying, of corruption, lack of integrity, poisonous ambition. And I'm sure like me, you have watched with anger and sadness and desperation at the dissolving of our government to see it's, it come to this. And essentially, it all comes down to issues of the heart. Because I believe that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It's all about what's going on in here. The Bible says in Philippians, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Look after it. Be careful with what goes in and what comes out of it. So Jonah is in the belly of this fish and there is some big heart examinations going on. He cries out to God to rescue him. He cries out to have mercy on him. And in his desperation, in his heart cry, God is in fact doing like emotional and spiritual heart surgery on him. How did this happen? How did this, uh, how did this heart surgery happen then? Well, it happened because Jonah stopped and he prayed. And the whole of chapter two is this long prayer. And I don't know if you've ever been uh, swallowed by a fish. I'm guessing probably not. But you've probably been in moments of desperation. You've probably been in moments of, do you know what? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. Sometimes crisis moments in our lives cause us to fall on our knees when we're at the end of our strength, at the end of all that we can do. God calls us to be real and to be honest with him. And some people get a bit hung up with this whole fish thing. Did it really happen? Can I really believe this? Can I really assume this happened? Well, do you know what? There, there are reasons to believe that it must have happened. Because if we believe miracles in the Bible happened, this is not the biggest one that we see in the Bible. We, there are apparently other accounts of sailors and fishermen who have been swallowed up by different creatures of the sea and regurgitated on the, on the um, shore, apparently. I haven't yet Googled it, but I'm going to. But there's nothing like a crisis when we're at the end of our strength to bring us to our knees and pray. And Jonah is in that moment. We might have been metaphorically in the belly of a fish where we just don't know where to go. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. C.S. Lewis once 
said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our pain. So what does Jonah pray? Well, the first thing to notice is that his prayer is okay, but doesn't really recognize a fact that he's sorry for the fact he disobeyed God. It doesn't really come into this moment of confession, a bit like we just did, where we, where we set, bring ourselves and say sorry to God. Jonah doesn't, in fact, apologize at all. He doesn't recognize that he is the fault here. He acknowledges that, that God lifted him out and rescued him. In verse 2, it says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I called for help and you listened to my cry. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, but you brought my life up from the pit. But there are these gaps, these gaps of like self-realization in Jonah's prayer. And it makes us unsure whether or not he was truly sorry. But it also makes Jonah feel more human and more relatable to us. I'm sure there are times when you've prayed and you don't know what to pray. And you're saying, God, help me with this. Help me in this situation. And our motives become quite sort of me-centered. We're thinking, God, would you just help me out of this metaphorical large fish? Would you help me out of this situation where I'm so desperate and crying out to you? Without a sense of maybe repentance or turning back to God and saying, God, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for what I did there. Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy? And in our failings, and in our inadequate prayers, and in our disobedience, God is gracious. He doesn't turn away from us. He doesn't ignore our pleas and our prayers. He seeks us out, and he saves us. And that was an encouragement to Jonah, and should be to us. And then there's this moment in verse 8, towards the end of the prayer, it says this. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah, having first not, not wanted anything to do with the Ninevites, run away, just hated the city and got as far away from it as he could, is slowly, and maybe a bit reluctantly, coming around to the idea that God's call on his life is the right one. At the end of maybe the three days and three nights, he's saying, what I have vowed to preach the message of God, the good news that God loves the Ninevites, I've vowed to do that. I'm going to make good. I'm going to go and do it. A lot can change in three days. So my first question to us tonight, to you guys, is this. What is the current condition of your heart? What state is your heart in right now? You see, God sees our hearts as we see each other's faces. He knows what's going on inside of us. He knows our lives. He knows the condition of our hearts. And we can't run or hide from him. But he is merciful and kind, ready to respond uh, to what's going on in our lives. So Jonah wasn't in the city. He was in the belly of the fish. But his heart was being transformed. Secondly then, this idea of for the city. We've called this whole series, In the City, For the City. And at first, Jonah wasn't for the city of Nineveh, as we heard. In fact, he was actively against it. He hated the Ninevites. They persecuted God's people. They um, apparently had artwork on their walls of uh, uh, palaces that sort of showed the depiction, or the, uh, the decapitation, sorry, of God's people. 
they hated God's people. And God was calling Jonah to bring a message of salvation for them. And I'd like to explore this idea of being for something right now. I don't know whether you agree with me, but I I think today, in today's culture, the world that we live in is probably defined more for what it's against than what it's for. I I, I don't like this. I'm standing against this. We seem to be, more than ever, uh, defined by division and defined by what we're against. And in this world of for or against, the world often seems to be louder about what it's against, right? I'm against that. I'm going to protest against that. We see this in right or left politics. We see it in uh, Brexit, leave or remain. We've seen it in Roe v. Wade. We've seen all this sort of uh, noisy, noisy against dialogue. So I'd like to come back to Tuesday and to what went on in Westminster on Tuesday. Now, you've probably all seen the headlines if you've got the BBC News apps and all those things. You've seen that the someone resigned, and then someone else resigned, and then someone else resigned, and then someone else resigned. And, and you sort of you got these alerts, and you were checking what's going on. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what is going on here? But all those headlines, for me, were uh, superseded by another event that happened in Westminster on Tuesday morning. And it was this. It was the... National Parliamentary Prayer Breakfast. Now, you might think that's a bit of an odd thing, but this is what it looked like in Westminster Hall, right next to the Houses of Parliament at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Now, this is before anything had happened with any resignation. This is Tuesday morning. 500 people, they think, made up of members of the House of Lords, members of the Houses of Parliament, uh, Christian leaders, church leaders, charity leaders, uh, other Christians, all gathering together from Conservative, Labour, Lib Dem, SNP, all the other parties that are forgotten. And um, this was a gathering of Christians in politics put together by an organization called Christians in Politics. And Boris Johnson was there, at least for part of it, I think. Sir Keir Starmer was there. The Speaker of the House of uh, Commons was there. The Archbishop of Canterbury was there. And another guy that was there was a worship leader, a friend of mine called Andy Flanagan, who works for Christians in politics. He works trying to seek to to see unity in Parliament, unity in Westminster, to see uh, unity between parties, between left and right, essentially to gather Christian MPs and Christians in politics to work together. And during this prayer breakfast, this is all on YouTube and it was streamed live, so you can watch it and go and watch it again if you'd like to. Uh, During this moment, there was a a speaker, and um, the speaker gave a talk. His name was, um, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten. Um, Anyway, a a talk was given at this moment. Then they had a moment to respond, to pray, and a moment of stillness. And the band decided just to play uh, music but have no words, just to give a moment of stillness and to invite God to move in that place with all those hundreds of people MPs, lords, represented there. And I read on different reports, and Andy and the band were saying this, that people responded and and felt this sense of stillness and this sense of peace. And I was watching on YouTube, and you can sort of sense this atmosphere where you can hear a pin drop. Something powerful and prayerful and prophetic was going on. And then they sang a song. And this song had been written 
uh, just a couple of years ago by Andy, and it's to the tune of Abide With Me, so everyone knows the tune of an ancient hymn. And the words to this hymn were this, and they, they got everyone to stand and sing this, peace, truth, and justice reigning everywhere. With us be present in our public square. Fill all who lead with your integrity. Transform, revive, and heal society. All these MPs were singing this. Fill all who lead with your integrity. Incredible words to be singing. And needed more than ever in this country's history at this time. And Andy posted them on his Facebook uh, page that said this. We sang these words on Tuesday morning in Parliament. This is not a time for crying or whooping. It's a time to pray them again. Andy then gave these, uh, an interview uh, to a newspaper. It said this. There were a couple of moments as people sang this hymn. But then there was an amazing moment after Les Isaac preached, that's his name. We had the privilege of leading a time of response, and you could hear a pin drop. I knew something profound had happened. I experienced it, and I spoke to an MP who said, that was honestly the first time in years I've had to stop and to pause, where no one was contacting me, where my phone was off, and I had time to stop in a place of beauty. So that was Tuesday morning. Tuesday afternoon, the MP Sajid Javid, the former health secretary, stood up in Parliament and he quoted Reverend Les Isaac's words. And he said this, the responsibility that comes with leadership is the responsibility to serve the interests of others above your own, to seek common ground between political parties. And he went on to finish his speech by saying, enough is enough. And he was at that breakfast and he said, in, in fact, he's given interviews today, quoting him being at that breakfast, saying, I got to the point where I realized that enough was enough, that we need to stand for integrity. Now, I believe that Sajid Javid, our former health secretary, whatever you think of him and whatever you think of politics, he met with God in this prayer breakfast, and God convicted him and said, enough is enough, stand for integrity. He then stood up, quoted uh, the words from this sermon in Parliament, resigned, and then started this whole flurry of resignations. And Andy uh, Flanagan, they, they don't sort of claim that this started because of their prayer breakfast, but you can't help but think that being in that place, putting God in his rightful place, led to powerful things going on. A lot can change in three days. And then we certainly saw Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a lot changed from that moment on. And it started with a change of heart. It started with a transformation of heart. In the case of Jonah, in the belly of the whale, he prayed. In the case of maybe Sajid Javid, it started with prayer and he was changed. So tonight, what is the condition of your heart? Secondly, this question, is your heart for the city? Have you had your heart broken for those around you in need, for those who are oppressed, for those who are victims of abuse or lack opportunity, who are exploited or imprisoned? And is your response just merely anger and frustration at the system, or are you for the city and for the change of the system to pray about getting involved? And Andy Flanagan's done loads of work 
encouraging Christians who feel passionate about social justice and transformation, not just to um, criticize the system, but to get involved in the decision-making, to get involved in local council and stand for election and maybe even stand uh, for, to be an MP. And he's seen incredible things happen when he's encouraged Christians, not just to criticize from the wings, but to get involved in the life of the city. So maybe tonight, I don't know if you feel that stir. Maybe some of you do. Some of you study politics. You think like, feeling like, I want to get involved around the table, around the decision-making process that goes on. Is your heart for the city? Finally then, Jonah is a character that we know, but he's also a character that Jesus knew. Jesus name-checked Jonah in the New Testament. And you might be interested to know that uh, Jesus is asked for a sign about who he is and what he came to do by the people listening. And he replies this. He says, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is, of course, alluding to his own death and his own resurrection, three days, three nights, comparing his story to Jonah, almost bringing it to fulfillment and completion. So Jonah's redemption and rescue ultimately points us to Jesus, to the promise of new life and forgiveness, the command and the commission to love the world and to seek his kingdom and to pray for his kingdom to come. One thing that I, this is my final thought, one thing that I was struck by at the National Parliamentary Prayer Breakfast was the table layout. Now, you might not think anything of this, but I did. Um, If you're putting a a prayer breakfast together, I was sort of thinking, I wonder if they put all the House of Lords in that corner and the MPs in that corner and the charities in that corner. No, what, what in fact they did was mix the tables together. They had a lord here and an MP here and uh, a charity worker here. And they had everyone sat around tables sharing breakfast, praying together. I think that's a really powerful statement of the makeup of what was going on to say we are all equal. We are all one under Christ and we're praying for his kingdom to come. And I don't know tonight what the state of your heart is, whether you feel in the city and for the city, whether you feel in the belly of a fish and you don't know what to pray. Tonight, I'd love us, as those people did around that table and saw amazing things happen, transformation come, I'd love us uh, maybe to be brave tonight and pray together. And we're going to do this um, by not getting tables out because we haven't got tables, but I'd love us to pray in little groups, maybe with the people that you came with, maybe with someone that's around you. And we're going to pray just for a few minutes before we um, share communion and before we worship together. And I'd love to pray around these three things. I'd love us to pray uh, for faith in us to rise. And maybe you feel like you're here and you've got a tiny amount of faith. Maybe your faith's taken a, a massive knock over the last few years. Well, we believe that faith is a gift from God. And you can ask for more faith. So that's the first thing. Maybe you feel uh, like you're, you're in a place of doubting at the moment. There's a brilliant quote in the New Testament that says this, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And maybe you're in that place tonight. You want to pray for your unbelief. Secondly, 
Um, I'd love us to pray for our own calling in our lives. Maybe you feel like you've been called somewhere and you know what your calling is and you feel like you're in the right place. Great. Pray for uh, even more of that. Pray for strength to follow your calling. Maybe you're here tonight thinking, I have no idea what to do with my life. And you need to capture a sense of calling, what God is calling you to in this world. That's the second thing, calling and equipping. And then thirdly is this, and this is maybe a bit more personal, is, is to pray for our hearts. Pray for what's going on inside us. Maybe you feel like Jonah, angry, and you've run away. Maybe you feel a little bit uh, distant. Maybe your heart feels hard, and tonight you need to soften it and pray that God's Spirit would soften your hearts. So those are the three things, for faith, for calling, and for our hearts. Um, why don't we right now, this is where we get you guys to move around a little bit, or not move, just turn to each other. Uh, so in groups of sort of threes and fours, I'd love us to pray just for a few minutes. So uh, turn to the person next to you, gather in threes, and maybe just say hi, just quickly. You can do that now. And we're going to pray together. And maybe one of those things, maybe it's your faith, maybe it's your calling, maybe it's what's going on in your heart. Maybe one of those things you really just like to ask for prayer for tonight. Find out what it is that someone else would like prayer for, and then we're going to pray for each other.